Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Miami Dolphins' fifth quarter postgame show. I am Travis Wingfield, the host of the Drive Time Podcast, and I am joined by my fellow Miami Dolphins Podcast Network brethren from the Fish Tank Podcast, Seth Levitt and OJ Duffy. And OJ, it looked like they were going to come away with one here after a four-game losing streak, but it's a fifth straight loss to a team that has 20 straight losses coming in. Initial thoughts? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, such a great start, I thought. You know, I thought the team looked good. It was great to see Tua out there, you know, and connecting and getting Gasicki involved, getting Waddle involved. Uh, defense is playing solid enough at times, you know. And then, you know, just to see it just kind of just dwindle late in the game, you know, and just in no, zero momentum, that's a tough loss. And, it, and let's be honest about it. It's a terrible loss to go up there, to go to London against a Jacksonville team that has so much going on. That's not good, you know, and then to come off, come out of there with a, uh, you know, with the L right there at the end. Uh, very frustrating, as we as we all know, and, you know, very disappointing and very uncalled for, in my opinion. I thought we had, we, we should have done better in that game, especially late in that ball game. Seth, this is a team that we've we've harped on the idea of little mistakes kind of adding up to a culmination of ultimately losing football games, right. and we thought that might change in this game. We thought maybe a quarterback change could help some of that, and the quarterback played well, I thought, in this game besides one glaring mistake. But again, just drop passes, running short of the sticks, maybe some of the decisions on you know fourth downs or in the red area. Like, How many mistakes did you see in this game today that you thought that added up to the ultimate loss to lose to a team that has – came into this game losing 20 straight like Jacksonville was? Well, well, too many, right? I mean, that's the answer. It's too many. This is not a game you could afford to lose. And it's right. this is not like we, you know, the Dolphins came into this game and they were 2-2 two and two and they dropped the game you didn't want them to lose. I, I, I was driving in and I heard Shannon Crowder say, I don't like to talk about must-win games this early in the season. But in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons, the Dolphins needed to win this game. And they didn't come away with it. And it really shouldn't even have been this close. It should not, not right. have come down to this. They dominated early on in the game, but those little mistakes kept Jacksonville in. And then and we talked about this, Travis, at one point. There was a point in this game where Jacksonville was driving. The Dolphins were still holding a lead. And I said, you know, the Dolphins are thinking we have to stop them because we can't lose to Jacksonville where Jacksonville <laughs> says we're going to get one. We're going we're gonna to break a 20-game streak here. And you just don't want to put yourselves in that position. That's exactly what happened today. I think I've been in denial for a few weeks here, Travis Juice, but this this is the football team that that we're rooting for right now. They are right. they're, they're right now. 
They are a bad football team. They're one and five. I one and four. I hope they turn it around. But this is not what any of us expected. And and I think that starts with the people that are inside that building. No, not what anybody expected. I think, I mean, we talked about the expectations after that last preseason game, how there was a lot of hype around this team for really the first time. Hype is the key word there, Travis. Absolutely. Hype. But it was almost more consensus yeah. this year than it had been in, in previous years where you had, you know, the fan base was excited for as they should be for every single football season because it's such a great sport and a great time. And one of these days, hopefully the Dolphins give us a reason to have fun watching football because juice it just hasn't really happened. I mean, every single time this team gets momentum going into a season, it this tends to happen over the last couple of decades. So at this point, you almost feel desensitized to it as far as like getting your hopes up and and being dashed every time and time again but I guess my question to you Juice you know Seth talks about the idea of a possible must win game and to say that in week six sounds crazy but I mean given the circumstances I don't think it's crazy at all I think I think that's exactly what it was and so when you lose a must win game that's week six in the season then where do you go yeah that's a great point and it, it was a must win game not not just because, you know, we're one and four. I think more importantly because we're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. You know, we, we just solidified, solidified ourselves probably as being, and I hate to say this, the worst team in the league. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's not where we should be at this point. Being, a you know, a game or half a game out last year from being in the playoffs at 10 and 6 to being, you know, you know the way we are right now and losing to the Jaguars, at, you know, and being one and five, that's, that's a tough deal, bro. It really is, man. And. You know, you sit here and we talk about how things should have been or should be or whatever, and you get the spark from a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, who I told you, I tweeted you guys, I texted you guys and said, how tough this guy is to go out there with these ribs. And he went out there and played his butt off, man. Missed a throw or two, but so does everybody that plays in this league. You know, but I thought he did what he did, what he's supposed to do to, to help us win this football game. You know, even his turnover didn't come back to haunt us as they got no points out of it. You know, but for this team to go out there and not be able to stop a Jacksonville Jaguar team who were minus, minus three linemen, starting linemen at one point, they were still able to run the ball on us when they wanted to, not be able to stop anybody in the secondary, sure, we're out, you know, our, our top corner guys are out of the game. But, man, oh, man, we should be able to match up with them no matter what with our, our reserves to get some of their reserves, man. And to come out there and, and play so well, I think, at the beginning and then have zero energy Zero ability to stop anybody in the second half. Zero ability to stop it when the game's on the line. I don't care when the stops happen. When the game's on the line, we got to be able to show up and make a play. And well, that didn't happen for us. Yeah, and not just stops, Juice. I mean, they, they needed to get that first down. Correct. They needed to get that first down. And, and that, that entire series, and we heard, we heard the guys talking about it in the, in the booth towards the end of the game there. You know, you drop, Ahmed drops the ball. Gesicki doesn't get across the sticks. Uh, you know, everything that could go wrong did. Smythe gets yeah. blown up or, or just gets completely beat uh, by, by the linebacker there. I didn't even see who made the play. I just know that we didn't. And, and that's – you had to have that. You absolutely had to have it in that moment. And this is, this is what bad football teams do. <laughs> and, unfortunately, the Miami Dolphins right now – that's the way they're playing. And you talk about across the board. You mentioned the tight ends there. Mike Gesicki a couple of times catches third down balls that come up just one yard short of the sticks. I know the juice was probably, you know, pulling 
pulling the hair out of the goatee out of your face there. I won't say hair out of your head, Juice. That's a ball <laughs> joke for you, my friend. Uh, I know you were probably hating to see that. You know, Durham Smythe gets beat across his face in that fourth down call. You have drops from Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed. A couple of weird challenges that seemed pretty yeah. pretty obvious, although I, I think Seth said that he thought the ball hit the return man's finger. We can get into that later, but I want to go back to this, just talking about the mistakes that were made. The one question I want to go to you here, Juice, and, and Seth as well, because I'm in here every single fourth down. What do I say, Seth? Go for it. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I'm fourth and we short. We had a whole analytics conversation. We talked today. about it, and I'm always, <laughs> well, listen to you. I'm always about going for it. But Tua was 9 for 10 with 109 yards and a touchdown pass in that fourth quarter. And on third and fourth down, he didn't touch the ball. I mean, he, he touched it, but he handed it off. What right. do you think of the idea to go for it and also taking the football out of your quarterback's hands, which, Juice, we can go back to this too, I thought was a theme throughout the course of the day that I didn't understand at all. Yeah. Well, me personally, bro, hold on a second here. I thought there was like – um, it's, it's so funny because the first one we went for when they brought Jacoby, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are, what are we doing here? And then, of course, it works out for us, right? It, it works out when Jacoby comes in and short yardage play, and then, you know, he, you know, he makes the, the, the 25-yard pass. Um, but, you know, I'm always like time, time and, uh, and place are always important. And that was one time that I was like, this is not the time for us to – you know, to, to go for it on the spot. You know, the one before that, maybe. You know, we took the delay of game, whatever, and then, of course, yeah. and that's a whole different story about our punter. That's a whole different <laughs> yeah. ball game. About, we're talking segment. about our punt game. Our whole punt game has got to – something's got to happen there, man. Well, we've got to be able to pin people, you know what I mean, and do what we're supposed to do in terms of, like, you know, pinning people down and giving them opportunities. But that's a whole different story. I, 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 there were so many questionable things today that I can't even – it was hard for me to write them all down. You know, questionable decisions on challenges, questionable decisions on fourth down, going for it, not going for it. It was a bad day all around, in, in my opinion, in terms of coaching, playing in the second half. There are a lot of things that need to be revisited. And unfortunately, it's going to be it's going to be interesting how this week goes when it comes to a lot of people involved. With well, the organization. You know, they, they talk about this streamlining of the play calls last week. I'm sure we'll hear a question about that today in the in the post-game press conference with Coach Flores about who was actually putting the calls into Tua's helmet. But it just seems like whatever the system is, whatever the plan is, the idea is to take the ball out of the quarterback's hands more often than not. And I just don't know how successful you can be in the in today's NFL when you're hamstringing your quarterback consistently and, and trying to rely on these special teams and defense-led victories. And in a game like this, maybe it makes a little bit of sense because the Jacksonville offense has struggled this year, rookie quarterback and all that stuff, and, and they produced 23 points at the end of the day. But I just feel like you're playing a game that you have to be perfect in. And the Dolphins, when they come out of the gates in those first quarters, they do play perfect. They hit the layups. They they're getting significant runs on first down. The offensive line's protecting well. The defense is at least getting holding teams out of the end zone to just field goals. But then the second and third quarter comes around, and these mistakes start to just pile up and add on. And when you are a team that lives by the small ball, you're trying to get a man on, bunt him over, then get a base hit, and then you get two strikeouts, drive over, game over. So I just think it's a small margin offense right now. And, Seth, those small margins are being are being con- just e- extremely held down by the mistakes every single drive. Well, a- absolutely. Pre-snap penalties, all of a sudden first and 10 is first and 15. I mean, anything you can think of, the, the mistakes are, are crushing you. A- everything you just said is accurate, but the thing that I challenge is if you're going to be conservative on offense, then why are you being so yes. aggressive <laughs> on these challenges, on fourth down plays? I mean, you you're playing a team that is looking to get their first win in 20 games. Their first win in 20 games, Travis. And so if you don't convert on, uh, on fourth down uh, on your side of the field, 
you are basically just uh, you want to talk about smelling blood in the water you know, they, I mean that, that's the best opportunity they're going to have to win potentially the rest of the season you know I, I don't think that this is going to be the springboard for the Jacksonville Jaguars to all of a sudden go on a run you know I, no. I don't believe that and so it really shouldn't come down to that we talked about it I, Juice, is there any way we can petition to get the second quarter wiped out of games for the rest of the year? Can we turn this into <laughs> hockey and go three periods? Because I don't know what happens from the first quarter to the second quarter. Right. I'm, I'm with you, man. It's 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 unbelievable how, I, you know, the, I'm obviously no adjustments right there. But at the same time, though, every other team seems like they thrive in that quarter. And we send, seem like on both sides of the ball to, to lay an egg, you know, can't get a stop. Uh, you know, can't score, can't move the football. And I'm with you, Big Seth, man. I mean, we, we had short fields in that second quarter, and we came up with three points, uh, you know, after, you know, after, after, after making a stop on defense. And so I don't know about the second quarter. It's, it's, it's not good to us. <laughs> Third quarter really is really never been well, good to us That opening drive either. is really it, rough. Exactly right. It, 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 it doesn't stop. They scored two touchdowns, you know, back-to-back on those situations. So, yeah. Second and third quarter, not good for us. And then we definitely have proven that we're not very good closers at all. So they start off strong in the first quarter and close the fourth quarter strong. But, yeah, that, that middle part of the game, just it seems to always be the slog they have to climb out of in the fourth quarter. And it looked like there Mike Gasicki, as we kind of you know talked about his game a lot early on with the mistakes, looked like he might be the engine that kind of got the offense going there. A couple of back-to-back big receptions on that big fourth quarter drive that put the Dolphins ahead. We're going to continue talking about that. We're going to hear from Coach Flores. Let's go ahead and pause 10 seconds so our stations can identify themselves. You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Radio Network. WQAM Miami, WPOWHD2 Miami, WKISHD2 Boca Raton, home of the Miami Dolphins. Powered by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. And Odyssey Station. So in his return to action, Tua Tungavailoa goes 33 for 47 with 329 yards, two touchdown passes, and a pick. And the pick wasn't good. We'll talk about that more here on the other side. Dolphins fall 23-20 to to Jacksonville in week number six to fall to 1-5. and five. Coming up, we'll also hear from head coach Brian Flores on this game. Final score from London, 23-20. Jags take it. You're listening to the fifth quarter postgame show on the Miami Dolphins radio network, brought to you by the Palm Beaches. In season or off season, you and your car make a great team. Take care of it with Chevron with Techron for unbeatable cleaning and mileage. It's a winning play. Chevron, together ahead. And we talked a little bit about Tua Tungavailoa's return to the offensive lineup. And, you know, just like it was in that Patriots game back in, in week one, his first start of the season goes down the field for a touchdown drive, puts the Dolphins up early, and you feel pretty good about the offense in that moment of the game. But like we mentioned at the end of the last segment, 33 for 47, 329 yards, two touchdown passes and a pick. I mean, first time over 300 yards, a bunch of passing attempts, just seven yards per attempt juice. I wanted to ask you about his game, what you saw from the quarterback in this one. He had the one really bad mistakes that, that really kind of stands out in this one. But other than that, and you also want to hear from you on the pick, how did you think this quarterback played in his return to the lineup? Well, first of all, let me start off by apologizing to Tua Tungvaluva. I thought that, you know, there's no way in the world he'd make this start. You know, I thought there's no way that he'd come off this rib injury and be able to play, man. And he went out there like a like a champ, honestly, and, and played really, really well, man. At the beginning of the game, he was crisp. He was solid. You know, he made some great throws. His two incompletions were great throwaway plays. You know, and I thought he had great command of the offense. Took a couple shots, got down when he had to. I thought he had a really, really solid game. And I wish, honestly, I wish they would have kept, you know, that same game plan going throughout the game. 
The way we had it going at the beginning, short and sweet, taking a few shots, getting his tight ends involved later in the third quarter, it was a great game plan. And then it got ultra-conservative again like we're so used to, man. But I thought Tua did a heck of a job, and hats off to him, man, coming back from the injury. And I heard that, you know, Joe Tomino and, you know, our, our head trainer got an opportunity to go out there, and they, they put some armor together for him to protect those ribs. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter sometimes when you have that armor on, you still take some hits and you're going to feel it. Tua did not did not waver. He went out there tough as hell, made some great throws and great plays, man. So I'm happy that our QB1 is back. You know, and I didn't think he'd make it back, but he made it back, man. He he looked solid today. Seth, what did you think? We saw we we kind of talked about the perpetual third and long situations that he seemed to overcome with, whether it was getting pressure in his face and kind of sidestepping and making a throw, or just standing in the pocket on time, on rhythm, making a big pass uh, to get his guys involved. And we we talked, OJ talked a little bit there about Gasicki and Waddle getting going. A, a bunch of third down conversions in this one. Nine for seventeen. They go one for two on fourth down. What did you think? Did Tua did Tua play up to? A level that you thought he could have won at today? Uh, well, the thinking you, he could have won at thing is a whole other conversation. But, yes, he, he looked like the starting quarterback. You know, I know that when Tua went down and 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 that Buffalo game was just brutal from start to finish. I'm sorry, it, it, the game was just brutal. But Jacoby comes in and we're saying to ourselves, well, what happens if Jacoby plays well? Is there a quarterback controversy? We don't want a quarterback controversy. We want this pick to work out, right? I didn't see a whole lot from Brissett that would have made us feel like there was going to be pressure on whether or not you play Tua. And then Tua today, to Juice's point, answered the call, threw for over 300 yards. Interception, I can't wait to hear what Tua has to say about it because I just don't understand what he saw and what that throw was. But beyond that, they didn't lose this game because of that play, and, and they almost had an opportunity to win it. The fact that we're saying they almost had an opportunity to win it and it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that is the, uh, the, the overarching concern. But Tua looked like the starting quarterback today. And is, is that kind of, I guess, the, the driving focus behind the season now, Juice? I mean, I know you'll never tell me a quarterback is the only reason to watch a team or watch a season, but at 1-5, you know, after this loss and this tough of a, a game that they just, just played against the Jacksonville Jaguars previously winless in the last 20 games, uh, is that kind of the hope now that you, you see Tua develop into a quarterback that you can play with in the future? And is that kind of your focus now for the rest of the season? Yeah, it has to be. You know, and let's, let's, not, let's backtrack a little bit as well. You know, not only did, you know, Tua come back, but he was still without his top two, three weapons out there. Yeah, you know, I'm no going to argue those guys aren't even the top two or three weapons anymore, Juice. Not they're anymore, just not on the field right. enough. They're just Correct. not. They're not on the I'm field enough for his me top, to say that. His I'm top two you. targets are Waddle and Gasicki, who had it. 10 for 70 and two touchdowns yep. and eight for 115. Those are your top two targets. Exactly, right. exactly right. Exactly right. So you think about the guys that were supposed to be those guys, you know. Even, you know, Mac Hollins had a hell of a day today. You know, I thought he had some solid contributions, you know, four for 61 and, you know, 15 yards of grab. You got to you got to yeah. like that as well from a guy, you know, with, with the five targets that he got. But at the same time, though, you know, for him to come out there and, and work with the guys that he's working with and you should be able to work with him. All these guys are professionals Two went out there and uh, he, he performed. I, I love the fact that we got guys going vertical again, especially our tight end game. I wish some of those those short. You know, pass that came up a little short for first downs. Travis, I wish some of those plays would have been going vertical instead of, you know, sideline and coming back to the ball. And we might maybe had a chance to, you know, break a tackle or, you know, drag somebody for a first down. I always question stuff like that. But at the same time, though, man, I thought that he was out there and he 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 he, he 
commanded the offense really well. His play fake, his play action, the zip was there. There were a lot of things that were really, really positive. For a guy that just only threw a couple days last week and came back this week to get ready for this game in London, uh, I thought he did a hell of a job. Juice, can I ask you a question about those plays that were short of the sticks? Uh, you know, yeah. and it was Gasicki yeah. two times. You you made a career off of converting third down plays. What is supposed? You know, we don't know what was called the huddle. I don't know how they're practicing it, but on the radio, the guys were saying, you know, he's running five and he needs to get six. Is that as simple as just knowing where you are on the field and getting past the sticks, or or, or is that the way the play is designed? Well, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I think I think Mike. What I look at a lot of times, Big Seth, is I see where the ball's delivered, and it's so close to the sideline. When I see that, mm. it feels like Mike might have came up short on his route. Mm. You know what I mean? And maybe it should have been he, another yard or two, and then the ball could be delivered, you know, 10 yards short of the sideline. So, I mean, that, and that's a huge issue right there. Uh, that's one thing that Danny would kill me for that. Right. If it was a five-yard route, he's going to hold it just a split second longer so I can get six to seven yards to, you know, to make the first down. Because otherwise, you got to do that work, especially when the balls come in you know, to the sideline, downhill a little bit, where you got to come back and get a little bit. You're not going to have that momentum to get up and go get the first down. So you either be running vertical routes, some type of slant route, or you need to already have the distance in advance. And so, you know, the thing is, like, Mike played an incredible game. Eight for 115, the drive that was probably going to be our drive of the game later. You know, he had the 30-yard catch, the 20-yard catch. But those two plays where you don't convert for first downs, do they speak more loudly than your 115 yards receiving? Absolutely. I mean, because those are the ones that killed us. Those are the ones that kill drives that, you know, keep leave us a little bit short and we have to try fourth down conversions or whatever. So, I mean – you know, Seth, you know, I always had that moniker of being a, a possession receiver. And, you know, I always say, yeah, I was because I made sure we kept possession of the football. That's what it's about. You know, that's what it's all about, especially, you know, when you get the ball on third downs. The ball, you know, you don't even say anything if it's, you know, second and, you know, or, or first and 10 and you get nine yards and the second and one after that. It's, it's not a big deal. But when it's third down and you need six and you get five, that's a huge, that's a huge problem. And I don't know if it comes down to play design, route running, ball late, receipt, whatever it is, man. They got to figure it out because it happens way too often for this team. Whereas, you know, we don't get the, the, the necessary yardage on third down that we have to get. But you see other teams get it or at least take the shot to get it. We have to figure out a way to get it ourselves, man, or we got to start throwing it for that distance because we can't get it and run for it. Yeah, you did mention you know getting more vertical with Mike and, and going on down those seam routes and those crossers. It seems like that's a great opportunity to get him the football when he gets those matchups on either linebackers or safeties or guys that even though, Seth, he looks like a drunk guy that stole a TV from a party <laughs> running away from the party when he runs with the football in he his really hands, does. even though he looks that way, he can pile up 115 yards on eight grabs. So, I mean, you think maybe they're going to catch him and get that TV back, but he runs away from most Give time, me back my TV. Unless it's <laughs> unless it's a third and five, and we, we come up with just four yards and short of the sticks. And and Juice, you mentioned a couple plays that killed us there. I thought a couple more that were just absolutely killers in this game was the holding call. I think it was Liam Eichenberg that had the hold on a possible a, a Savan Ahmed run that pushed the Dolphins at second and goal from the one yard line up. Was it seven zero at that point? possibly going in for a, a two-touchdown lead. And then later in the game, an offensive pass interference on Matt Collins that took him out of the red zone and put him back in another first and 20. And then again, just to that point, Juice, maybe we can continue this on the other side, but to continue to get behind the chains and you run a running play on first down and then a little short screen or a flat route on second down, then it's third and 16, and it's basically white flag at that point. So to me, that's, that's the thing that frustrates me the most is 
the, I don't know if it's a lack of trust. Let's talk about this in the next segment. Lack of trust in Tua Tungavailoa, the offensive line, the playmakers, the whatever the case may be, there's some kind of disconnect going on there on the offense because they're getting in their own way more often than not. We'll talk about that next. Get your new Volkswagen with Gunther Plus at Gunther Volkswagen, Fort Lauderdale, or online at GuntherVW.net. For car buying done your way, you got to get to Gunther. We're also going to hear from head coach Brian Flores in the next segment. Again, the final score was 23-20. Jacksonville takes it from London. You're listening to the fifth quarter postgame show on the Miami Dolphins radio network brought to you by the Palm Beaches. Have an extra couple of minutes? Try Totino's Pizza Rolls in the air fryer for extra crispy deliciousness. Mmm, those crispy bite-sized poppable bursts of pizza. Totino's Pizza Rolls. It's Totino's or game over. And we left off last segment talking about the Dolphins' offensive direction, offensive decisions, offensive line, quarterback, playmakers, play callers, the whole gamut of it all. And Juice, I want to go to you to this because the theme that I continue to run into with this team this year, and it's not just this year, really... It kind of started for me last year in the Seattle Seahawks game in week number four when you're playing one of the most explosive offenses in the National Football League and they continuously kicked field goal after field goal after field goal in that game and ultimately came up short. And so this theme that I'm continuing to pick up this season is when you do get yourself into a first and 20. We saw this in the preseason. They, they threw like an 11-yard stick route to Durham Smythe, got themselves back in manageable distance, and then converted a first down within that drive. That's a flashback to August when football didn't count. But now I see, like we talked about, running plays, these short screens that get blown up and do not work. What does it signal to you as a player on that offense when it almost feels like, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but what it feels like, they're just happy to play it safe and end the drive in a kick in an old-school fashion? Yeah, you know, in that first and 20, man, I would love to, you know, draw something up where we get seven or eight yards. If we're in first and 20, I don't mind a second and 12, and then we try to find a way to get a chunk, half of that back and be in a third and – you know, five and six, you know, but I'm tell you some of the play calls, there's no way you're going to get some of those yards. There's no way you're going to get, you know, with the, with, especially with a line of scrimmage is stacked on a run play, you know, you're going to get, you know, more than a couple yards, especially a team like us that, that, you know, we don't, we don't run the ball very well, no matter what the situation is. So I, I wish that, you know, you know, the way the, the quick game was working, getting the ball out to guys right away, uh, you know, that worked, that worked really well for us. And, and give guys a chance to catch the ball at five or six yards and give us seven. But when you're so conservative on first and 20, what, second and 19, or whatever it might be, then we're really behind the sticks, and that's not our team. Our team is not built that way. Our offense, our team might be built that way. Let me rephrase that. Our team might be built that way, but our offensive philosophy has not been, you know, been that way. So, you know, getting the ball down the field, I, I hate to say it, man, we got to find a way to run some four tight end offenses get those guys involved because they get vertical better than anybody on this football team. Well, and they did. Here's the crazy thing, Juice. If I told you before this game started that Tua was going to come in and throw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, Waddle was going to catch two touchdowns, Waddle and Gesicki between the two of them were going to have 18 for 185 and two touches. (laughs) That was the key to the game. Durant Smythe had 60 yards catching. Hollins had 60 yards. Like, if you look at all that, you would have thought that we would have blown out the Jacksonville Jaguars and sent them further on into oblivion not 20 points out of that so so it's like what is happening that you're actually getting production this was that you know there were some of the more exciting moments that we've seen all season offensively but they finished with 20 points yeah yeah, the execution is just not there go ahead juice jump in yeah i'm sorry about that travis yeah absolutely man 
it's it's about when you get over on that other side of the pond, which is after the fifty yard line, we have a, we struggle, we we struggle big time over there, you know. And and it's execution. There's a lot of things, and we'll hear from Coach Flo. I'm sure it's going to be execution, questionable play calls, questionable challenges, questionable decisions. There's a lot of questions with this team, and you know what? <laughs> I don't know who's going to answer them now, man. It's going to be. It's, it's going to be an interesting week moving forward with this Miami Dolphin team because of, you know, you look so promising at times, especially as an offense with your, with your leader back, and then not even be able to put it in, you know, and, and make a play or, or score a touchdown. You know, no matter what in this league, man, 20 points is not enough in this league, especially when, you know, defense obviously. It's not enough to beat the, the Jacksonville league. Jaguars. No, it's not. Yeah, obviously it's not. I think the you questions know, so. get answered each week they play, Juice. I mean, that's the only way they're yeah. going to get answered because at this point, you know, there's nothing else any of us want to hear, or and probably inside that locker room too, right? I mean, what else do you want to hear? You got to go out there and deliver. And, and yeah. same, same for the fans too. I mean, at the, at this point, it's you know the the idea behind this game coming back, and I think I talked about it at our lunch bunch, our live show on Friday on Instagram at the Fish Tank eighty one. Check that out if you haven't checked it out already. Was talking about how this was like a start over to the season for me because the you know facing a team that hasn't won many games lately, and the Dolphins get their quarterback back, and you know Raekwon Davis is back and playing full strength. And even though we were down Parker and, and X, and then we learned Byron Jones wouldn't play in the game, and learned that Preston Williams wouldn't play in the game, I was still hopeful Golly. because of the options they had at their disposal. And one of those guys that we mentioned, Seth rattled off their stats between Waddle and Gasicki, and I talked about it on that Friday show, that the guys in the slot were supposed to have big games in this one, and sure enough, they did. But man, Waddle, 10 for 70. Two touchdowns is great, but 10 for 70. It's like he runs a 4-2-40. Juice, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, do you, was there ever a point in your career where you felt frustration with your own usage or other guys' usage? Does that start to happen in the locker room? Yeah, but you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'd be content with my 10 for 70. You know what I mean? <laughs> and two touchdowns? That's what I did. <laughs> But that's he can do he can do three for seventy. That's the kind of player that he is, though. That's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. Exactly right, Travis. You're so right, man. I think misused, um, underutilized. You know, two would try to throw a vertical on him in double coverage that one time. You know, I'm with you, man. I, I it's it's got to be frustrating for him too. And I always go back. I always harp back on his buddies. You know what I mean? When I, when he sees, you know, Smith, Devontae doing, you know, getting vertical, when he sees Jamar Chase getting vertical, he knows he can get vertical. But I don't know why we don't find a way to, to get him there. I was shocked that he didn't do more outside work with our outside guys, none of them being there. You know, you put your burner out there and see what he can do. I know they, they probably look at Devontae – I mean, I'm sorry. They look at uh, Jalen's size and, like, want to say, like, you know, he's a little guy, keep him inside – but, man, a burner like that, put him outside and see what he can do, man, and give him an opportunity. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not playing anything special out there. The corners are a little bit off. I saw single high safety a lot. When I see single high, I look for guys to make opportunities on the outside, man. And I didn't, you know, I, I just hate to see him being, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, underutilized and misused as a wide receiver because of his talents. And we talk about the first and fourth quarter being the primary quarters this team has had success in. He had 12 targets in this game. 11 came in the first and fourth quarter. So basically going by the boards in those second yeah, like and third quarters. What the quarters, hell is happening I, I in the second yeah, quarter? I don't know. I, I, it's it's I the Bermuda Triangle. I can't figure it out. And it's not just about team. Waddle. 
I can't figure it out. No, it's something we'll have to dissect. Maybe we'll come back and, and get some answers from that from Coach Flores here on the other side. Get your new Volkswagen with Gunther Plus at Gunther Volkswagen Fort Lauderdale or online at GuntherVW.net. For car buying done your way, you got to get to Gunther. Again, the final score from London, Jacksonville 23, Miami 20. You're listening to the fifth quarter postgame show on the Miami Dolphins radio network brought to you by the Palm Beaches. Dolphins are back in action, and this season you can be back in the stands to experience it all live. Get verified tickets from Ticketmaster, the official marketplace of the NFL, and you won't miss a single epic moment. And rest assured, if your plans change, Ticketmaster has you covered because selling your seats securely with Ticketmaster is as easy as a few taps. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com slash Dolphins. Well, the Dolphins fall for the fifth straight game against the Jacksonville Jaguars 23-20. Despite outperforming Jacksonville in many key statistical categories, third down, plays ran, total yardage, time of possession, takeaways, everything goes in the Dolphins' favor except the final score. And we're going to go to the podium now to hear from Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach at the podium at his press game, post-game press conference. Um, on the fourth down play? Uh, fourth, and, yeah, fourth and one at the 46 with 648 approximately. Yep. You passed off in an identical similar situation, fourth and one, 46. Yeah, trying to win the game. You know, fourth and one, we'll just, I'm not sure when the, the first one you, you mentioned, but, you know, game's tied. We got an opportunity to you know, feel good about getting a yard, and we didn't get it. Yep. I didn't coach it well enough. Um, you know, that's on me. We got to do a better job in that situation. Understand, understanding the situation, getting them the information on the situation, um, and we didn't. Um, when we just needed some tighter coverage. Uh, it was actually a design kind of sideline call. Yeah, kind of guarding the boundary, but should have been tighter. Um, just outside leverage, really. It's roughly kind of it's close there, five seconds. So the team is, is one in five. How did the team get? You know, uh, that starts with me. I'm not doing a good enough job of getting these guys ready to play. Um, not playing consistently enough, um, so we're not coaching well enough, and we're not playing well enough, and you know that's we're just not playing consistently enough. I mean, in spurts, we had a couple, some some positive plays, some consistent you know ball in the second first half, um, and even a little bit in the second half, but we're just not putting it together, um, and that 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 starts with me. What's what's the mood in the locker room, and how do you bounce back? Yeah, I mean, we're disappointed. The mood is disappointment. Um, you know, these guys work hard. They prepare hard. They compete. Um, they do a lot of the right things. Um, and it's, 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 it's disappointing to not get the results when you do a lot of the right things. Um, and our players, you know, they, they work extremely hard. Um, How would you describe I thought he played well. I thought he made some uh, some very good throws. Stepped up in the pocket. Um, I thought he played well. Coach, you know, coach, you threw the challenge flag on two plays in the game. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, I think it was a, it was a close, it was a close play, so I felt like we had to challenge it, um, see if they had overturned it. Um, there was another one earlier where, you know, the booth re- overturned a call in the field. Um, and, you know, look, that, that happens in the game. We just got to kind of move on. And, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't make enough plays. Um, it's never just one play. Um, we just didn't make enough plays to win the ball game. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got to do a better job. Yeah, I mean, we had that, you know, some of those conversations. He picked up a prior, you know, first down on a similar play. So uh, we felt good about it. We just, you know, they, you know, give them credit. They made a good play there. Um, I believe they landed the line and got inside of us and you know, made a good play. Did you see the replay where the ball looked good looking to take his finger? Yeah, you know, our guys up top, um, you know, we, we felt like it was worth the challenge, uh, but you know, it didn't just didn't go our way. You ran out of timeouts in the first half, the two of them were used on third down. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, they did a little bit of hurry up, and third down is kind of a big down, so um, just wanted to get the right people in those 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 situations. Um, so felt like we needed to use them, and I think we, we did. Flo, how close to kickoff did you learn that Byron Jones and Preston Williams were both the one that Really, you know, worked out um, Byron. And then, you know, we were hopeful for Preston, but he woke up this morning and, you know, we just didn't feel like it was even, uh, you know, we shouldn't even, you know, tr- try to try to work him out. But worked out Byron, you know, he wasn't ready to go. And, you know, as far as probably two hours before kickoff, or maybe a little more than that. Obviously, I've seen the video, but just got a reaction on your cornerbacks being out there. I thought, you know, they did some good things. I mean, I think Marvin Jones made a couple, you know, real nice catches. I thought Noah was in good position on, you know, the touchdown and the third down third down play here, um, you know, late in the game. I thought he was in good position. Just got to gotta finish those. But um, and overall, I thought he and Justin Coleman and Nick Nick did some good things. But obviously not, not good enough. How did you think the offensive line played today? It looked like we had, you know, time to throw it. Um, We've got to do a better job in the run game. Uh, but it looks like we had you know, good protection for the most part. Uh, I've you know, got to go back and watch it say it, but it looks like we had you know, solid protection. Well, I'm not sure what you usually do, if anything, on the plane ride home. Obviously, this is a very long plane ride home yeah. for all of us. What are your thoughts upon what you might do during the play? I mean, I'll watch the tape. I'll you know, watch the film on all three sides and probably start on our next opponent. Yeah, I mean, there's, there were some positive things, um, you know, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. Um, and we'll try to build on the positives and, you know, try to get better. And, you know, we got to do We got to stick together. I think that's an important uh, thing for us as a team. Uh, we got to stick together and, and continue to prepare and uh, give great effort, which they will, they'll do. It's a resilient group.
Brian, what role did not having Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Preston Williams play in this game? I mean, look, everybody's dealing with injuries. I'm not going to um, talk about uh, you know, who we you know did or didn't have. They were they were missing some players too, and you know at the end of the day, the guys we had out there, those are the guys we, you know we were focused on today, and we didn't you know we didn't do a good enough job, and uh, you know that starts with me. You know we just we just keep preparing, we keep following you know doing the things that we've been doing. I think you know from a uh, I mean just you know. Just keep doing what we've been doing. I think they're preparing the right way. I think they're practicing the right way. Um, you know, we just gotta we've got to be more consistent. Um, and you know, you know, as a coaching staff, we gotta we we've got to do a better find a way to uh, to help them play with more consistency, play you know better complementary football. And again, I can't say it enough. That starts with me. You know, I think I think we did kind of move it pretty efficiently there in the second quarter. And after that first drive, we just didn't punch it in. I think we had the penalty on that kind of kicks, uh, took us out of uh, scoring range. I think we had, excuse me, a run down to the one-yard line. Penalty knocked us back, and we ended up kicking a field goal there. And um, I forget what happened on the next next drive, but we just weren't able to punch them in. And you know, that's the difference. You know, we lose with a, a field goal at the end. And, you know, that that ends up being the difference. Uh, again, I think we did some good things, um, but not enough. So I thought Tula did, did a lot of good things. We made some tough throws, stuck him in some, some tight windows. Um, we're going to need him to continue to do that. Um, but, you know, we, we got to do a better job of, of uh, you know, just playing you know, better team football, more complimentary football. It's not just one player. It's everybody. Um, and we're just, we're just not doing enough. And there you have head coach Brian Flores after the Dolphins' fifth straight loss here in, or not in Jacksonville, in London to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Seth, before I go to you, my press conference consigliere here on the postgame show, he sure sounded defeated to me in that one. What are your thoughts on Flores after this fifth straight Dolphins loss? Yeah, I mean, he absolutely did. Look, here's the deal. People seem to not care sometimes because they look at what salaries people make and, and well, he's going to be fine and he's making this much money. And he, you know, Coach Flores gets paid wherever he gets paid to, to answer those tough questions and to be accountable. But there's nobody who's more sick about this loss than Brian Flores. I can assure you that. No matter how much we are upset here in the booth, no, how, no matter how uh, angry fans are on Twitter, and they deserve to be and have a right to be, but there's nobody who is more upset about this than Brian Flores. And I think we heard that. I think you heard it in his voice. I think you heard it in his answers. I don't. I hate to say defeat. I mean, they were defeated today. I hate to say defeated. It. You know, the good news is, unlike the rest of us, Brian Flores has an opportunity to do something about it. Yeah. And so he, you know, he told you what he's going to do on the flight home, and he's going to get into the film, and then he's going to have to make some tough decisions. And, and I know that he said we're going to keep doing it the way we've been doing it and we believe in the way we've been preparing, what have you. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see changes. Yeah. And then big picture, however long people have opportunities, and I'm talking from players to coaches to whoever, however long people have opportunities to walk in that building and continue to collect paychecks, everybody's on notice in the sense that, yeah. you know, every play counts now, right, Juice? Every possession, every right. play, every, you know, every meeting that you show up to, are you on time? Everybody's being evaluated as, uh, as far as what their value is to this franchise moving forward. And, and so they've got games left to be played. People want to look at playoffs and what opportunities exist there. They've got to find a win, a way to win soon, Juice. They've got to find a way to win really soon and to right the ship. But I think people are being evaluated, and the coach is going to look and say, can this guy help me win next week? Can this guy help me win long term? And I think everybody's going to be on notice in that regard. So you've got a, a solid 12 weeks here of, of really evaluation for what your future holds, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the direction you go in when you're in this position and looking up at pretty much everybody else in the conference. Juice, I do want to get your thoughts on on what Seth said there and Coach Flores' press conference as well as where you go from here as a player and in that locker room in this kind of evaluation phase over the, I guess, the final 12 or so weeks of the season. But we got to get out of here for a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hear from Juice on the Flores presser. We'll also hear from quarterback Tua Tungavai Low in his post-game press conference. Get your new Volkswagen with Gunther Plus at Gunther Volkswagen Fort Lauderdale or online at GuntherVW.net. For car buying done your way, you got to get to Gunther. Again, the final score, Jacksonville 23, Miami 20. You're listening to the fifth quarter post-game show on the Miami Dolphins radio network brought to you by the Palm Beaches. Check out South Florida's ultimate entertainment destination with world-class shows at Hard Rock Live, award-winning dining at Suppresso in Council Oak, and much, much more only at Seminole Hard Rock Hollywood. The Dolphins fall again to Jacksonville 23-20, and we heard Brian Flores in the last segment there, and Seth kind of gave us a little bit of a prelude into a conversation here, Juice, about where the team kind of goes from here and, and Flores' mood and demeanor in that press conference. I thought he sounded pretty defeated in that one. He talked about the mood of the locker room being a bunch of guys who are disappointed because they put in the work, they do things the right way, but they continue to come up on the losing side of things. Juice, what are your thoughts on that press conference, your thoughts on what Seth had to say there as well about Brian Flores after this game? Yeah, I mean, I understand Coach's frustration. We've heard it over and over and over again. Every week they talk about how well they prepared, how they feel like they're ready to go and then they don't go out there and get it done. I can only imagine how a coach feels like, you know, at the beginning, you know, of this five-game losing streak, when you, you know, you think you're preparing and it doesn't work out for you, then you're like, okay, you know, we'll go back at it next week. And then it happens again and again and again. Now he's got to be wondering, what the hell do I need to do to get this team to show what they showed during the week on Sunday, which is the most important day, obviously. You know, so I, I hear the frustration as well. And when we hear him say they prepared well, they did this well all week, and then, you know, we go out there on Sunday and it doesn't work, especially against a team like this. If we're the team that we thought we were or thought we could be, we should be able to play, and Seth alluded to it, the numbers and everything that, that show up, that, that equals a win for this team against a, 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 you know, against a Jacksonville team. But it didn't today. Both, trust me, both sides get paid. You know, everybody's out there, the professionals. But at the same time, though, it's still a Jacksonville Jaguar team that was emerged in a tremendous amount of controversy, you know, all, without offensive linemen, coaches going through this. Sometimes that helps the team, and maybe that helped them today. But for us, we should be able to take advantage of that situation. We're better. We are – we should be a better team than the Jacksonville Jaguars today. So I understand where coaches' frustrations are coming from. You know, talk about some of the guys in the secondary that went out there 
without Byron, you know, being available, without X being available. You know, Justin Coleman, I thought he had, they had solid games, man. Marvin Jones Jr. had a, he had a heck of a day, and we seemed like we were in coverage well, but once again, the same thing with us all the time is we're in good position, but we're not making plays. The name of this game, period, is making plays, man. You know, we made a couple big plays. Of course, the Christian Wilkins sack was, was huge. Was, you know, with Siler getting, the, you know, getting the, the, the fumble recovery. But when you got guys in position to make interceptions instead of PBUs, they have to happen for us. You know, and we've seen that over and over and over again. So, yeah, coaches, and, and I heard the interview talk about, that's a long flight back, man. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. It's a long flight back, man. And so when you – Jacksonville's going to have a great flight back, you know. Watch their flight. It's going to be so much better than our flight. If we win that game, it's a better flight. But at the same time, though, you still got to realize, like, why didn't we play better against this team that we should probably beat? And so uh, I understand Coach's frustration. There are a couple other things I was looking at. You know, the fourth down call, the last one, he said he was trying to win the game. You know, I, that's, that's tough right there. I, th- I thought our defense was playing well enough at that point where we don't have to go for it right there, punt it away, make Trevor Lawrence, a young quarterback, go to distance to beat us. You know, so, you know, if that's Tom Brady, maybe I don't want to give him the ball back or Aaron Rodgers, but Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to make him beat me. You know, that was a tough one when I heard that right there. It was a little, it was a little rough. The, the play they gave him to get in the field goal range, you know, he said it was a sideline coverage, you know, I get that part, but you can play that sideline coverage and press. Don't give them that yeah. easy release. They only needed five or seven yards. So that was – I think that was I, – I, I even felt like he felt like they didn't play it the way it's supposed to be played. It's supposed to be tighter coverage right there, man. So there were so many things that were going on in that press conference that he talked about that really changed the outcome of the game because a lot of times from the coaching standpoint, you can change the out, outcome of the game. The challenges for one – you know, uh, going forward for two, the calls that you make on offense or defense, so many things that you know, are not really necessarily the players' issues that he feels like he's got to do a better job. And he addressed all that, man. But we've heard this week in and week out, and that's been the biggest problem right there. You kind of walked me into a point I wanted to focus on, come right back to you with the question, because you, you talked about the mistakes and just the calls that just these very fine margins this team plays than that we talked about earlier in the show and these calls that come down to these crucial 50-50 type of situations where they just barely missed the play. You mentioned to Juice the fourth down play. He said they're trying to win the game or you talk about his kind of answer there about the sideline call and trying to force things to the middle where you can pressure it more there with Trevor Lawrence at the end of that game. Uh, a couple other options where they had some fourth down tries and, and trying to get the first down, the challenges in the game. And you know, last year this is a team that, one of the things I, re- I would see from people that were not believers in this Dolphins program was they found ways to win that were, you know, quote unquote, lucky ways with defensive scores and big returns and all these things that they won within those fine margins. And so my question is, it seems like everything in those fine margins this year is going against this Dolphins team. And to me, that almost sounds like where Brian Flores' frustration comes in. Is that something that they, this game is, is such a, the sample size of football being 16 games now, 17 game season is so volatile and how it can change in terms of your production. And we've seen that with players going from stars to, to not stars the next year. And it's a roller coaster type of league. So my question, I guess, in a long winded way, Juice, is that something within your control where you can kind of put a stop to that? Or is this just kind of how the chips fall? Yeah, you know what, Travis, it's, it's really um, ironic that you talk about our lucky wins last year. And the ball's not bouncing our way that way this year, is it? And that's that's one of the things about it. You know, the turnovers, not no sacks really, no no quarterback pressures, 
you know, I was just watching the TV copy and listening to them say that that Akba had no quarterback pressures last week, you know, against Tom Brady. And, you know, those are things that we did. We did actually get back to the defense itself. You guys were talking about in traffic. You talked about some too, about, you know, the standing around, the amoeba defense, you know, guys around the line of scrimmage not knowing where they come from. You know, and that, that kind of worked. It, it really did. It would be nicer, I think, if we had X and Byron out there in coverage. Yeah, to be able to absolutely. Do like a little that, bit. You know, and that and that we should have been doing that with them out there. Can we talk you know? about that for a minute? Can we talk about that yeah, for a second? Please do, yeah. And that, not to make an excuse, you know, like Coach said, not making excuses. Every team has injuries. So I'm not bringing this up as an excuse. I'm saying, where is Fuller? Where is Parker? <laughs> where is Howard? Where is Jones? Mm-hmm. Like, this team needs its stars. To, to step up, to step up. Now we're saying, can they even get on the field? How right. are all of those guys down, Juice? Uh, you know, uh, that that drives me nuts. And we're not talking about, you know, knock on wood here, we're not talking about torn ligaments. We're not talking about things where guys simply cannot suit up and play. So that has to be frustrating for a coaching staff. And this is, again, the opportunity for this team, its leaders, its coaching staff to get everybody together so the thing doesn't fall apart at the seams. But people need to step up. They absolutely right. have to be out there. You can't win with your best players not on the field. Pretty yeah, fin- Seth, it goes back to – it goes back – I'm sorry, Travis. It goes back to hurt, injured. You know what I mean? It really does go back to hurt, injured, man. These guys, honestly, I've never seen more guys pretty much, you know, shelve themselves – than, you know, than what I'm seeing right now. You know, these guys put themselves on the shelves with probably more than anybody in any team that I've seen. And it's, I mean, come on, man. You get played to play in the games, you know, when you're when you're hurt. If you're injured, I get, if you're injured, you should be on IR, or, you know, done for the year, whatever it is. But these guys that won't go out there and play hurt, you know. He mentioned, you know, Byron and, and, and Preston Williams before the game, you know. Byron worked out. You know, which is which is nice, and it didn't work out. Preston woke up and wasn't feeling good. You that know, was strange. Yeah, that was strange. That was strange right there. I mean, what's 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 really going on here? How the hell are we gonna get these guys on the field? But then, you know what? So what? So Mac Hollins comes out and he has a, a a solid game. You know, he's had a bigger game than any of the other guys have had all year. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Waddle has a big game. Game opportunities. You know, the tight ends, Smythe and Gasicki have an opportunity out there. But but damn, man. Come on, man. When, when especially when we're one and four, you couldn't keep me off the field, Seth, if I could if I felt that I was just hurt and not injured, man. But so it's a different mentality, man. Yeah. That I cannot I cannot comprehend with the guys that are, you know, seriously not not playing. Not you know, not dressing out. You know, going on a trip to London and chilling. I don't I don't get it, man. It's just a different mentality, and it's frustrating. I can hear it in Coach's voice. We hear it in our voices, and we hear it from our fans, you know. It's not about all about us on the outside. It's that locker room. But, damn, how do other players feel about other dudes that are not laying on the line when they think that it's probably not that major exactly. of an injury? Yeah, that's, you know that's I mean? a big question. And that's where you start to lose things, man, when you got other players that are sitting there like, damn, bro, you know, I got a dislocated whatever, and I'm out I got cracked ribs, and I go. threw for I 300 yards. And I'm exactly. out here playing, man. You got to pull this. Even Jacoby, his hamstring is probably close off the bone the way he looked last week and still came in and gave us a, a snap or two. You know what I mean? That's how you play the fucking game. Ooh, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, and, <laughs> that's how you play the game of football. I'm glad that's exactly glad right, Juice. 
Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, we're we're pa- we're a passionate bunch. You're watching this team. It's been a rough five weeks in all of us. And even without those offensive playmakers, 431 yards of offense for the Dolphins today. But defensively, I want to talk about this, about this on the next side of the show here, that the defensive structure was much different because of those guys being out in this game. We'll talk about that. We're also going to hear from Tua Tungavailoa, his postgame press conference. And the Miami Dolphins are coming to a Publix near you with giveaway items, cheerleaders, alumni, and more for the first ever Miami Dolphins tailgate tour. The third stop is this Tuesday, October 19th from 4 to 6 p.m. at Publix at Plaza del Pareso, located at 12100 Southwest 127th Ave in Miami. Be sure to check it out. Again, the final score, Jacksonville 23, Miami 20. You're listening to the fifth quarter postgame show on the Miami Dolphins radio network brought to you by the Palm Beaches. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.